Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. And so let's just go ahead and declare this together today and, uh, and pray this out loud, if you will. Uh, you can stand or you can stay sitting if you want, but, but I think it'll mean more for you if you do stand. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five, high five. You sit by yourself, homeschool, high five. Come on, all that. Hey, we, we've been in this series. Week one, we talked about our posture, that when we come before the Lord, we realize that he's our father. Come on, he's the corporate father. He's all of our father, and we're a great big family, and he brought us in by the spirit of adoption, but he's not just our father, he's the holy father. So whenever we pray to him, we revere him and we respect him and we worship him, we honor him in that way. And then the second week we talked about the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer is to see God's kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven, right? His will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Then we talked about provision, that we're believing God for our daily bread. How many know we live from day to day? We don't live week to week. Come on. In the kingdom, we live from daily bread. We don't live off yesterday's bread, and we believe that he is a God of provision. So we pray persistently, specifically, and consistently to our Father. And then last week, we talked about the purging that happens in prayer, right? When we get before the Lord, and we're like, man, I really blew it this past week, this past month. I haven't done really good, Lord. So I'm just here to confess my sins, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, right? But Lord, not just that, I also forgive my debtors. I forgive those that have sinned against me. And, and this week, we're moving into what's called perseverance. Perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. He almost, almost called it purity because, because now we're set up for a lifestyle of purity whenever we say, do not lead us into temptation. Man, I don't want to just not sin. I don't even want to be tempted to sin. Right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some translations say from evil, but this this version here says the evil one. So we're, we're asking that we be delivered from Satan. Come on, not that, that we wouldn't that we wouldn't fall under the scrutiny of temptation. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting, right? So we're praying that, that God would not lead us into, into temptation. And we'll look in just a minute about what scripture says about temptation that God doesn't tempt us. So we're asking God to not allow us to go into temptation. I like to think of it this way when we're praying, that is, is that we, we, we from time to time go on target runs. Anybody else? Or we're the only ones. I know we so basic. We go, we go to target and uh, we, we used to do this quite often with the family. But when you have four kids and you go into target to get toilet paper and you leave with like $450 worth of things that you didn't plan on going and getting, how I many know that's not good news? And so we, we, uh, we do these target runs. We used to do what's called a red ring where we go around the outside of the store and buy all the stuff on clearance. Am I the only one that does that? Now they're yellow. We got to come up with some kind of clever name for yellow, yellow ring. It just doesn't ring like red ring. And so we go into target. 
And so when we take our kids in, they always want to go to the toy section, especially our little kids, our bigger ones did when they were that age. And, and, and so what we've learned to do is just kind of stay away from the toy section because if we go into the toy section, we're going to be there for like 45 minutes. And we're going to be like, you've got $5 to spend. And they're going to be like, well, this is like $8. And then they're going to go back and forth to this toy, to this toy, to this toy. So it's like, so what we've learned to do is when we go into Target, we don't go to the toy section. We kind of work our way around it. We've kind of got it mapped out where we can still do our red ring and kind of work our way around. And we kind of have it mapped out so we can avoid temptation. And so I think when we're praying this, what we're saying is we're saying, Lord, don't even let me go by the toy area. Keep it far from me. And so we as parents, we're pretty wise sometimes to just say, you know what, let's just go to the dollar spot and skip the toy section, right? And so that's a party right there. And so what's, what we're doing when we're praying is we're saying, Lord, don't even let me get close, to evil. Lord, don't even let it be on my radar. I don't even want to be tempted at all, so can you keep me far away? Most of us don't really live life like that. We, we like to come and we kind of like to go on the, the next aisle, right? But how many you know sometimes those end caps kind of give it away and brings us in? And so I would encourage you to not just pray, Lord, do not lead us into temptation. Don't even lead us into the place where sin is a possibility. I don't even want to get close to it. And then I'll walk that prayer out saying, I'll just stay far, far away from it. Like, if you've got a drinking problem, come on, I'm talking about like a drinking problem. Not like, you know, you're kind of every once in a while. But, but you got a drinking problem. You probably want to stay far, far, far away from the nightclub. Come on. If you know what I'm saying, if, if, you've got a, if you've got a sexual immorality problem, you might want to stay far, far, far away from the nightclub. You might want to stay far, far away from the Internet. Come on, are you tracking? And so we're, when we're praying, we're saying, well, I want it to be so far from me, so off my radar. Do not lead us into temptation. Don't even let us get close. So it says in James chapter 1, and remember, when you're being tempted, and I've heard a lot of, a lot of well-meaning Christians say this, well, God's, God's tempting me. Listen, God doesn't tempt you. Look, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. So when you say God is tempting me, you're actually lying. Because God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. God does not tempt us. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Those desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin, here it is, is allowed to grow. Guess who allows sin to grow? And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And God wants us to eat from the tree of life. Come on. He doesn't want us to, to reap death because we're investing in sin. So to be led by, into temptation, to not be led into to temptation, means that our desire is to avoid the dangers of sin altogether. So the prayer tip is this, Father, when you're praying, just get before the Father and pray it like this. Keep evil far from me. Keep it far from me. I pray today, Lord, that there would be no opportunities for me to even come close to sin and lead me that way. So keeping sinful potential far from me. That's a good prayer to pray, right? So oftentimes when we're being tested, how many know there's a difference between being tested 
and being tempted. But oftentimes when we're going through testing, there's temptation. Sometimes the temptation is just to not be ready for the test, right? So a test is whenever we get to see what we've studied for. A test is whenever we get to recognize whether or not I know the content, right? So our kids have testing where they, you know, they, some, some tests, they're testing stuff they didn't study for. Other, most tests, though, are going over the things that they've studied for, right? So if you want to pass the test, all you have to do is know the content. See, you can pass any test if you will get into the content. But some of you say, you know what, I'm not going to do the work to get and know and discover the content. So when the test comes, you fail the test. And God doesn't want you to just get by. He doesn't want you to make C's on the test. He wants you to make A's on the test. This is why James says, listen, count it all joy when you face tests of many kinds. Why? Because it is an opportunity for you not to just grow, but also see how much you've grown. So now, 10 years later, you can go, what? I'm not hung up on that anymore. Used to, I failed the test every time, but now I do pretty good. Come on, does that not give you some spiritual confidence in the Lord? So you can pass any test if you know the content. So I would suggest know the content. And Jesus knew the content. Come on, he knew the content. And and the reality is this, is we're all gonna face temptation. There's no, you, you can't pray You can pray, Lord, don't lead me into temptation, but you can never pray, Lord, I don't ever want to get tempted again because you're going to get tempted. And the thing is is with temptation, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're brand new in the Lord, like you just came to the Lord last week or even today during worship, or you've been in the Lord for like 25, 30 years. Did you know you're going to face temptation? You can't get out of it. You're going to face it. In fact, Jesus was tempted, even Jesus. And if Jesus didn't get out of it, you're not going to get out of it. We will face temptation. But where does temptation come from? Well, we know it doesn't come from God. Where does it come? It comes from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Who is the evil one? The devil, right? The devil, the adversary, El Diablo, Satan, right? Lucifer. He is is the one. He's the devil. We're asking the Lord, Lord, I want to be delivered from the devil. But did you know that the, that the evil one also has an unholy trinity? There's an unholy trinity in the devil, right? You've got Satan himself. You've got the flesh, which is connected to you and I. It's unfortunate, but it's a reality. And then you have the world. Satan, right? The world, the flesh, the devil. That's the unholy trinity. So the enemy will use these three areas to tempt you, to bring you into temptation. Why? Because he wants to destroy you. Because God has a plan for your life, right? I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So his ultimate goal is to destroy you, is to keep you from the life that God has. And so we look at the temptation of Jesus. Here it is, Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the Spirit of God is leading him into the wilderness. And it says where he fasted for 40 days and he was tempted by the devil. Have you, have you ever fasted for 40 days or, you know, eight hours? <laughs> right? Come on. There's some temptation. Jesus was probably hungry. 
right? So he was there for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Isn't that funny when the Bible says something? He, spent, he hadn't ate for 40 days, and he was hungry. It's like, well, thanks, Lord. Thanks for including that. And the devil said to him, and get this, he says, if. Did you know most of the time when the enemy tempts you, he's going to say if. If you are the son of God. Did you know who else has a great big if? God. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead. If you speak to this mountain, move and be cast into the sea. It'll be done. If you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Come on. If you believe and do not doubt, you will see the kingdom. I mean, there are so many ifs from God and ifs from the devil, and we've got to decide which if we're going to respond to. So the enemy shows up, and he says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. Very important. Man shall not live on bread alone. It's the content. It's written. I know what's written. I studied for this test. It's go time. I'll count it all joy, even though I'm hangry. The devil led him up to a hot place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it's written. There it is. I know the content. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He doesn't even tempt it. He's just throw it all. Give it all away. For it is written. Uh-oh. Now the devil's using scripture. How many know it's really scary when the devil's using scripture? They will lift you, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left for a more opportune time. So there are seasons that we go through where temptation is hot, right? And there's other times where it's, well, it's not so bad, right? Some of you are in a season right now of temptation. Like it's every time you turn around, the devil's right there. And other of you, you've, you've gotten victory. You made it through that season, and you're kind of going through a season right now where there's not. But let me tell you, it, whether you're in the season or not, one is coming. He will come back for a more opportune time again because he has a plan to destroy you. So what does he do? How does he work? What is his plan? It shows us right here. First of all, his plan is to reduce your identity. Did you notice that he continually asks Jesus if you are the son of God? If you are, did you know the enemy will come in and attack your identity if you're a child of God? If you're, if you were who God says you were, if God really loved you, this wouldn't be happening. If you are the son of God, what he says, turn these stones into bread. You know what he's appealing to right there in Jesus, his flesh. Come on. Here we see Jesus having to overcome. Even Jesus had to overcome his flesh. Did you know if Jesus had to overcome his flesh, you're certainly going to have to overcome your flesh? Come on. He was fully God and fully man. We're just fully man. Right? We got a lot of flesh to overcome. 
But praise God, we had the spirit of God inside of us to overcome that. When we talk about the flesh, what we're talking about is the natural you, the sinful nature, the way that you were born. It wasn't, you didn't choose the life. It just happened to you. You were born. You were born into sin. This is the gospel. You weren't born a good person. Did you know that? You weren't born a good person. You're not a good person. You can, but you can be a righteous person. You can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but apart from him, you're just a sinner. You're a wreck. You're a broken mess. You're valuable. God sees your value, but you are a mess. And listen, we are seeing this in our culture right now that people are so consumed with the flesh, so consumed with self, so consumed with what can I do to feel better? What can I do to not be hungry? I'll turn those stones into bread so I'm not hungry anymore. What can I do to get the world to cater to me? What can I do to get the world to celebrate me? Everything is driven towards self. We have this thing called social media. And you know what it's doing? It's giving everyone an identity complex. Because we're living in this thing called comparison. If I had their body, if I had their stuff, if I had their life, if I had their latte, right? What is it? It's comparison. If you are the same. Do you know who you are? See, the greatest individual crisis is a crisis of identity. It's the greatest crisis that you will face as an individual. I'm not talking about in the world, but as an individual, the greatest crisis you will face is if you are. Who will you believe? Who will you believe? By the way, the enemy always asks questions to accuse. God always asks questions to invite. Come on. His, his questions bring us in. The enemy's questions drive us away. So, We've got these unrestrained platforms, and all they're doing is they're misidentifying God's people. And God's people fall for it all the time. I fall for it all the time. I give into an appeal to my flesh. Listen, anything or anyone, and it's not just the comparison thing and self-confidence. I, I, I'll be quite honest with you. A lot of you could use a lot less self-confidence and have more Christ-confidence and there's too much of the world just inflating flesh. Come on. I mean, we are totally obsessed. What can you do to feel better? What can you do to, listen, you need to be healthy. Absolutely, you need to be healthy. But are you consumed with self? If you are, you're given into the flesh. See, anything or anyone that is trying to build you up in anything other than your identity in Christ is from the evil one. Let me say it again. Anything or anyone that is trying to build you up in anything other than your identity in Christ is from the evil one. This is why Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. This is why scripture talks about in Galatians that I have crucified my flesh. Because it is not about me. In this hour, the greatest temptation we face is the need to be re-identified by anything other than the people of God. And we love to be celebrated, and we love to be known, and we hope our post will go viral. Why? Because it appeals to our flesh. And prayer is the place where we bury carnal 
desires. Just because you want it, just because you desire it, doesn't mean it's from God. Is it glorify God? Or does it, listen, if you will focus on glorifying God, he will focus on glorifying you. But stop glorifying yourself. Get lost. Die. And allow him to resurrect you. So prayer is a place where we bury carnal desires. So the enemy wants to reduce your identity. So should I feel bad about myself? No, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself. You should be confident that you are a child of God, that you've been born into the kingdom. That's beautiful. It is glorious who God recreated you to be, but you got to be a new creature. It's not about you. It's about him. And when you get that and you die to yourself and you go, you know what? I just, anything that doesn't look like Jesus in me needs to die. It doesn't matter what my Enneagram number is or my personality profile says or the way I was raised. None of that. My identity is in Christ and the enemy will always come and try to get you to re-identify. Listen, all the sexual issues that we're dealing with, come on, all this, all of it, it's, it's saying, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who does God say you are? The only right as a follower of Christ, the only right that you have, the only thing that you should be believing is what God says about you. Stop being so consumed by your flesh. You're just reducing your identity to what the enemy says. Number two. So he wants to reduce your identity. Number two, identity. He wants to ruin your purpose. So he takes Jesus up, and he's like, look at, all the, look at all the kingdoms of the world. Look at all this stuff. Look at all these positions. I'll give it to you if you worship me. What is he saying? He's saying, here's the world, right? So he used the flesh. Now he's using the world. Look at the world. I'll give you, I'll give you the world. I'll, I'll give you all the possessions. And then Jesus says, hold up. I know what my purpose is. My purpose isn't that stuff. My purpose isn't the kingdoms of this world. My purpose is the kingdom of my God. My purpose is this, to worship the Lord and to serve him only. So Jesus combats it with scripture and says, you know what? Let's realign purpose. Purpose is not about all that I see. Purpose is about loving God and serving him only. So don't allow, listen, don't allow the pleasures and the love and the spirit of the age to distract you from that. Don't get lost. So, and I would encourage you, listen, we have so much information. I was listening to a, to a message this week. It was just rocking me. And he was talking about how that our soul, it's John Eldridge, and he was talking about how our soul is village-sized. Your soul is village-sized. You were meant to live life with a handful of people, a small village, you were meant to carry their burdens. You were meant to, to, to function in that, to meet needs. All those kind of things. God created you for community. But what we have, because of there's so much information, is, is we, ha- we are overwhelmed. And the word that he said, um, I, I think I'm misidentifying it, but, but I'm, not, I'm not identifying it right. I'm just not labeling it correct. But he, he said that we're, we're basically on, on compassion exhaustion because we are concerned about things that we could never affect. We're consumed about things that are happening across the world. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be aware. I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed. But we are so caught up in caring about things that we could never impact, and we forget those that are in the room with us. And he said, we're, we're, we're exhausted on compassion, so we don't have any compassion for the people that we're doing life with. 
because we spin it everywhere else. Beloved, you're not that big. God's got the whole world in his hands. You, you can't. And we, I, I, I don't know about you, but I am just exhausted. Did you know that my grandparents, my grandparents, I, I, I get more bad news in one day than they had in their entire life. My grandparents, some of you, your great-grandparents, some of you, your grandparents, just like me, some of you, your parents, have never experienced the trauma to the soul that you're experiencing. Why? Because they are so informed by the world. And no wonder we're unhealthy. No wonder we're unhealthy. I just submit that to you. I'm, I'm trying to narrow my scope a little bit. Saying, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I, I need to know all of that. I don't know I need to see all the videos. It's good to be aware that things are happening. I'm not, I'm not saying we stick our head in the sand. But listen, our, our primary source of, of information and programming is coming for the world. I mean, think about it. We'll send our kids to school and allow them to be educated from the school eight hours a day. And we'll, spend, we'll, we'll put them in church for an hour a week. And we expect them to be spiritual when they come out. Hopefully, you're doing a better job as a parent than that. Come on. That you're not just trusting the church. And so what we've done is we've given the power to educate. We've given the power to, to feel all those things. We've, we've given the world access to our souls and to our minds. It's, guys, it is scary, the world that we're living in. Can I, can I just be real with you for a moment? I am a little bit scared what we are doing with all of this. I'm not saying you turn your heart off. No, you turn it on, but you also narrow your focus. What is your purpose? To love the Lord and to serve him only. And can I love him by intervening in this situation? Am I connected enough to make an impact? I know that's a far rabbit trail, but here we are. As followers of Christ and lovers of God, we must be informed and directed by the Lord. And so what do we do? We, we spend hours a week scrolling, and we spend minutes in prayer. And we are not going to be informed, and we are not going to be directed by the Lord if most of our information isn't coming from him. Listen, the Holy Spirit will teach you all truth, Jesus said. What is your relationship like with the Holy Spirit? Do you have the mind of Christ? Are you in the word? Beloved, you've got to get in the word. There is so much. How do you renew your mind? How do you renew your mind? You, you think you're going to renew your mind by checking the news channels? And listen, if we, we're, this, we're in this battle right now. We're in this battle for what truth is. What is truth? No, nobody knows because this side's saying this thing, this side's saying another thing, and we're ignorant to what the word of God says. And can I tell you today, it is the only thing that has stood the time of what truth is. Get in the word. Get off your phone. Get off the blogs. Get off the newspapers. Get off all of it. Get into the word. I'm not saying stick your head in the ground. There, are, there is work to be done in, on the earth. And we need to be about it. But it needs to be about the Father's business. So we're not, we need to be followers of Christ and lovers of God. We must be informed and directed by the Lord. That is where my information primarily comes from. It comes from the Lord. And whenever I find out something about the world, I have the answers for it. And I'm directed by him. I'm not, I'm not directed by a reaction. And that the world is demanding a reaction. I'm done. I'm done reacting. I'm just done. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow the, the spirit of the age to control me, the world control me. First John 2 15. That's long. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If the love of the world is in you, let me go back to this translation. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Hear this. Now, it's not talking about the people of the world. It's talking about the systems of the world. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And get this. Some of you need to circle this. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. Let that, let that resonate in your soul for a minute. A craving for everything that we see, their latte, their body, their family life, their house, their paycheck, and pride in our achievements, what I've done. I'm so proud of myself. Look at me. Look how awesome I am. Look at the stuff that I have. A pride in their achievements and possessions, these are not from the Father, but these are from the world. These are from the world. These are from the world. Beloved, do not buy in. We are called to a different lifestyle. Number three. So he wants to reduce your identity. He wants to ruin your purpose. He does that by getting us focused on the world. And number three, to rebel against what God says. Now, this is the deal. The devil no, never shows up with a pitchfork and red horns. He just doesn't. He's, uh, scripture tells us that he's like an angel of light. He, masquer, he masquerades himself. He is a deceiver. So he never comes and goes, hey, you need to rebel against what God says. He never does that. The first thing he does is he always questions what God said. Did God really say? Remember in the garden? Hey, the first thing he does, did God really say? You know, you know what? What a lot of the church right now is dealing with, did God really say? There's this big progressive Christianity movement. Did God really say? I mean, isn't the Bible kind of outdated? Or can we even trust? Did God really say? Yeah, he did say. That's why the scripture has lasted 2,000 years. So he will, he will question and distort the word. So here's Jesus quoting the word, and the devil goes, hey, throw yourself down. By the way, Scripture says, so what is it? It's a distortion. He'll send his angels, Jesus. It's a promise. Go ahead and throw yourself down. And Jesus said with Scripture again, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus passed the test because he knew the content. Did God really say? See, it won't always look like rebellion. Sometimes it'll just look like agreement. All the enemy wants to get you to do is to agree with what he says, and that is rebellion. It just doesn't feel like it. It doesn't come in on a Harley and tattoos and, you know, what we would think, you know, 30 years ago what rebellion looked like, you know, wearing all black, you know, playing some ACDC or something. It doesn't look like that. It just looks like agreeing with something that is opposite of what God says. So what does Jesus do? Jesus shows us the way out. He resorts to the word. Jesus reemphasizes. He goes, you know what? You're trying to use the word. You're trying to pollute the word. You're trying to undermine the word. You're trying to get me to believe something different. This is what the word says. How literate are you in the word of God? 
Beloved, we've got to get in the word. I always say, get into the word until the word gets into you. Just get into it and get into it and get into it. And one little Bible verse on your Bible app a day probably isn't going to be enough if you're spending 30, 45 minutes scrolling through Instagram. It's not going to be enough to be led by the Spirit of God, to know what God's saying. We're so muddied. So he tells us to pray this, deliver us from the evil one. You ready? You want to know how to be delivered? This is the deal. God always provides a way out of sin. When sin comes, these opportunities come, God always provides a way out. This is a scripture that's often misused. Here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. <laughs> Otherwise, don't be, I'm solid, man. I'm, I'm spiritual. I can handle it. Careful now. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, people say this. They use this, and they go, God won't ever give you anything you can't handle. Listen, I believe that God will allow a lot of stuff happen in your life that you can't handle, so you'll trust him to handle it. But he will not allow you to be tempted by evil more than you can stand up under. In fact, it says right here, he will provide a way out. Well, you know the way out. He's already provided a way out in Jesus. He's already provided a way out when he gave you the holy scriptures that you can have. He's given you all the tools that you need to be able to get out. Get out of temptation. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure, so that you can have perseverance. So how do we walk in deliverance? This is going to be quick. Ready? Ephesians chapter 6. Now, this is the armor of God, the full armor of God. We've heard this. Maybe you've seen the, the cute little flannel, flannel graph of it, you know, or the little magazine thing. I don't have any of that for you today, but, but I want to, and I'm not going to go deep into it. That would be a whole other sermon. But he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, whether it be himself, whether it be your flesh, or whether it be the world. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers in Washington, D.C. Oh, sorry, read that wrong. Against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, not just part of it, full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. He's like, stand and stand. Stand what? And then he goes in to what we call the armor of God. So what are we saying here? Number one, how do you walk in deliverance? You remember that the battle is spiritual. That's what he starts off saying. He's like, listen, this is a spiritual battle, so you got to have spiritual armor. It's not about principalities. It's not about regulations. It's not about laws. I'm not saying that we don't we don't advocate for those things to change. I think a lot of them do need to change. He's saying that won't answer your problems. That is not what you need to be focusing on. And there is a lot. Listen, there is so much focus on that. Don't get caught up. So we remember the battle of spiritual. See, you can win a carnal battle in the spirit, but you can't win a spiritual battle in the flesh. And a lot of people right now are trying to win spiritual battles in the flesh. We're trying to build it through calling it reform or whatever or being vocal on social media or making something. Listen, you can't. This is a spiritual problem. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of those things. I'm all about the awareness. But if you think that you're going to solve the problems by only doing that, you're in for a big disappointment. 
Because we live in a fallen, broken world that has a spiritual issue called sin. And people are sinful, and people are broken, and people do stupid stuff. But you can't win a carnal battle. You can win a carnal battle in the spirit, but you can't win a spiritual battle in the flesh. Stop putting so much effort in the flesh and start devoting your time, your energy in the place of the spirit. How much have you prayed about it? We post about it, but did you pray about it? I'm not saying you should never post about it. Be a voice. God calls us to be a voice. But did you pray about it? The nature you nurture is the nature that wins. So if you nurture your flesh, I'll say it again. The nature you nurture is the nature that wins. So if you continually invest in the flesh to solve spiritual problems, you're only going to reap more carnal problems. What a mess. And this is what we're seeing right now. What a mess. If God's people will humble themselves and pray and seek their face, I will come and I will heal their land. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? It's a spiritual battle. Number two, so appropriate spiritual armor. This is your prayer tip right here. I would encourage you to go through, and this is your homework, Ephesians chapter 6. Go through and apply that every day. You're getting your Bible out, or maybe you, you take that, that card that we provided, and you're praying through the Lord's Prayer. When you get to that part that says, deliver me from evil, you just open up Ephesians chapter 6, and you start going through the armor. Father, I take right now the helmet of salvation. And I, I know it might seem, seem cheesy, but it's, gonna be, it's not going to be cheesy when you win some battles. And it's going it's, it's to be cheesy when you lose some because you didn't apply your armor. So just put on that, that helmet of salvation. You're saying, Lord, I'm just applying right now that helmet of salvation. I guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. There will not be a deadly blow come upon me because I am saved. And, Lord, I put on the breastplate of righteousness right now. Lord, I thank you that my heart is protected because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the two most vital places where you could die are covered by your salvation, your righteousness that is in God. Come on, in your mindset is your salvation, that you are thinking like a saved person, that you are feeling like a righteous person, that you are motivated, that your soul is made righteous, not because of anything that you've done, but because you've been in right standing. And that you have your feet clothed with the gospel of peace, that your motivation where you're going, what you're advancing is the gospel. Come on, it's the gospel of peace that we're advancing. Come on, it's not a political platform. It's not another regulation. It is the gospel. This is what we're advancing. That, you're, that you are, are girded up with a belt of truth. And every day you're just taking these things. Father, I put, it on, I put on the belt of truth. I don't put on what CNN told me. I don't put on what Fox News told me. I'm clothing, I'm putting the truth of God's word, the truth of the Holy Spirit to support me, to hold everything together. I'm taking up that shield of faith and the enemy comes to attack me. I believe what God says. I trust the Lord. And then you take out that spirit, spirit, that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the same sword that Jesus used in the desert. You pull out that sword, that weapon that you have, which is the word of God. And when you pray, you start praying the scriptures. You pray the word. That's number three. And that's your prayer tip. So you apply that armor and you pray the word. 
You have all these things to defend you, and you have something to fight with. God has given you the word to fight with. Pray the word. Know the word. Stand on the word. You want to know who you are? Read what the word says. I would encourage you, open up Romans chapter 8 and just start going through there, talking about your adoption, talking about how you're loved, talking about how you're more than an overcomer. Come on, not just a happy little promise scripture for you to kind of run around and quote. Just get into it. Pray it. Next thing you know, you're going to be walking down because you prayed it 15 times. You're walking down the street and you're going to be, you know what? I am more than a conqueror. You know what? I was going to cuss that guy out, but I'm more than a conqueror. I'm just, I'm feeling a little insecure, but you know what? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not even death. Where are you getting that? You're getting that all from the word. You're just fighting with the word. Pray the word. And let me tell you, so what's God's will? Listen, if it's in the word, it's God's will. You have permission to everything in the scripture. It's given for you. And number four is this, stay near to God. Stay near to God. Stay near to God. It's so interesting that this whole temptation that Jesus enters into. Y'all okay today? Listen, the whole thing starts off right here. Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, full of the Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was full of the Spirit. He was near to God. He was possessed by God. Are you possessed by the Spirit of God? Is he informing you and leading you? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you staying near to the Lord? Are you near? See, we only see defeat when we are distant. We only see defeat when we are distant. The reason why Jesus passed the test is because he was full of the Spirit of God. And because he was full of the Spirit of God, the Spirit was reminding him of all truth. It was reminding him of the Word of God. That's why when you're going through a hard time, and you had been in the Word, and something comes up and you go, well, the Word says. Why? Because the Spirit is reminding you. He's like, remember, remember what I was telling you this morning? Remember when I was telling you this morning when you were reading your word that nothing can separate you from the love of God? Not heights, nor depths, not demons, not news agencies, not haters, not dictators. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Do you remember that? Remember that that sin, is it too difficult for you because you're more than a conqueror? Hyper Nikeo, you are more than a conqueror. You don't just pass the test, you pass it with flying colors. You remember that when I was showing you? How do you get that? You just stay close. And so when you get in your car and you had a frustrated, frustrating day at work, you just turn off the radio and you tune into his presence. when you want to walk into the house and let all your frustration vent to your spouse. You just turn it off for a few minutes and you just draw near. I love James 4, 7, 8. It says, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. He'll come back at a more opportune time, but He'll leave you alone right now, but it all starts in this thing called submission. It all starts with yielding. Come near to God, it says, and he will draw near to you.